Hello, and thank you for joining us. As always, it is such a blessing to be with you. Today, I want to talk to you about something that is one of the most important teachings in the Bible, and this is a teaching that Jesus gave. It has profound implications to everyone that hears it because everyone fits into one of the four categories that Jesus talks about. At first, this teaching may look like that it is solely for unbelievers, that it looks like it is a category fit for unbelievers. But over the last two decades, as I have studied the Bible, the Holy Spirit has shown me something that is vitally important, that this message, this teaching that Jesus was doing was was not only for unbelievers, but more importantly, this message, this teaching that he gave was for believers. And here's why. Since, since I had become a Christian, the minute I gave my life to Christ, the thing that fell the hardest upon my heart was the souls and the eternal destination of every single human being. I understood in a minute, in a second, what it meant that people could go to heaven or that people could go to hell. That people could follow Jesus or people could live on their own, actually trying to be their own God. And over the last 20 years, it has been a burning desire in my heart to do everything I can to share the gospel so that no one, no one, that doesn't, that they have the opportunity to choose and to follow Jesus. So today, I'm going to talk to you about the parable of the sower. This is a, a teaching that Jesus gave, and he often gave teachings in parables, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But this is found in the 13th chapter of Matthew. It's actually found in Mark and Luke as well, but we're going to be looking at the 13th chapter of Matthew. And let me explain why some of this is so crucial. Jesus, in the 13th chapter of Matthew, he outlays the, outlines the mysteries of the kingdom. And he does this by using parables. And parables have been described as a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. And so basically, a parable is a story in which something familiar explains something that is unfamiliar. It's a way of teaching that effectively pierces the hearts of individuals that they have to ponder and think. It's not necessarily just a teaching where someone tells you how to go from A to B, but that someone has to apply those teachings and those things to their life to get more divine revelation, to get deeper understanding of what is actually being taught, what is actually being told. Jesus is trying with this to get them interested, to get their attention, to actually use parables as a wedge to open up the hearts of people so that it can ultimately move them to the saving truth of the gospel. Now, I want to look at the parable of the sower. As we notice here, this is in Matthew 13, verse 3, Jesus says, Listen, our farmer went out to plant seeds. So first of all, we seek the task, the responsibility of the sower. The picture here it was common in biblical times. It is definitely common in the biblical lands. But here's the implications. 
And here's the, the process or the thought that I had for so long is that the teaching of the sower was about who, where the seeds fall and who accepts those seeds. We're going to talk about that today. But it was more of who accepts the gospel and who doesn't. But the deeper understanding, the deeper teaching that is there is that each one of us, each Christian, each believer in Jesus is actually the sower. You are the sower. You are the one that is planting the seeds. And the seeds fall in all kinds of different areas, all kinds of different places, as we see in Jesus' teaching here. Some of the seeds fall in places that are stomped out very quickly. Other seeds sprout up really quickly but don't have deep roots, and they fall away. And sometimes, with the power of the Holy Spirit, those seeds produce 30, 60, 100 times the fruit that that individual seed was planted. So today, as we go through this, I encourage you, think of yourself as the sower. Because here's the thing. There is no such thing as a closet Christian. There is no such thing as a Christian that goes to Sunday just to be fed, just to consume what is taught. Being a Christian is almost like if anyone's ever watched American football and you see before they go up to run the play, the the team gets in a huddle. That is what the church is. The church is the huddle. It's the time that we come together, that we strengthen that we encourage each other, that we make a plan and a play to go out and to execute. And that is what the church is. We come together to understand Scripture more deeply, to understand how to live our lives that positively affect us, that grow us to be closer to being more like Christ, and that ultimately the the reflection of our life and how we go out and we tell people about Jesus. That is what the church is. It is not a building. It is not a place where we go and we only go selfish, being selfish, only for us. That is not what the church is about. The church is that we go, we become strengthened, whether it's in a house, whether it's in a building, whether it's in a park or in the middle of a field, wherever believers meet to talk about the Bible. That is the church. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am with them. That is the church. That is where we gain our strength. And then from there, we go out and we fulfill the Great Commission. I know a lot of people talk about, I only want to be a Christian that, you know, it's kind of private to me. What I would ask you to do is to pray about that. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you because if it is just about you, if it is just about your private spirituality or your private relationship with Jesus, and that is all it is, then we are missing the Great Commission. We are missing what Jesus told us. And with the Great Commission, Jesus told us to go out and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So today, as we go through this, concentrate. You are the sower. You are the one that can plant seeds. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they can reap a great and powerful and mighty harvest. John 20, 21 says this, 
Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent you, I also am sending you. As believers, it is our job to sow the gospel. There are several aspects of planting seeds. One of them is that we have to sow plentiful seeds. We must sow a lot of seeds. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a great crop. If we want a big crop, and as Christians we should be compelled that no one goes to hell. No one that we come in contact with, no one that ever gets to meet us doesn't know where we stand, doesn't have the opportunity to hear the gospel, that it can change their life, that it can move them, that it can ultimately set them free. The more we sow, the more we win to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in effect, Christians are in the seed sowing business. Psalms 126 says this, We weep as they go to plant their seeds, but they sing as they return to their harvest. We must sow passionately. When we share the gospel, we must share it with love and we must show passion. We must share that passion. We must so passionately. You know, it's interesting, George Whitfield, and if you've never heard of George Whitfield, this is somebody you should, you should definitely learn about. George Whitfield was, was an Englishman, and, and he, he, he preached in, in England, and he also preached in the United States. And he, he is one of the big pillars of the Great Awakening in the United States. He was, he was one of the ones that, that, that spread the gospel. And he was, he was an evangelist, and, and he, he traveled, and he, he, he preached in the middle of fields, and, and he didn't, it didn't matter. Wherever he had an audience, wherever he had the ability to talk to somebody about Christ, he took that ability. And one day, he was preaching from the pulpit. He was overcome with emotion, and he began to weep quietly. Then he lifted his hands, and he exclaimed, Oh, my hearers, think of the wrath to come. Think of the wrath to come. Flee to Jesus for refuge and salvation right now while there is still time. You know, I don't know that I did any justice to that. I wish this wasn't so long ago. I wish I could have been there to hear that, to, to feel his emotion. I'm sure it would have filled me with, with faith and moved me even, even farther and harder. But one man that heard this, he said later, he said, his eagerness, talking about George Whitfield, he said, his eagerness brought tears to my eyes. And for weeks afterward, I could not get the picture of that concerned soul winner out of my mind. My own heart was warmed by his zeal. Eventually, the gospel that he preached with such conviction resulted in my own conversion. Now, while we sow that seed passionately, we must also sow that seed patiently. Galatians 6.9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So as we sow the seed, and what is the seed that we keep talking about? What is that? The seed is the word of God. As we sow that seed, as we do it passionately, we must also do it patiently. It is not by our own power. We have to take the step forward to share the gospel. But once we have shared the gospel, once we have planted those seeds, as we wait patiently, we let the Holy Spirit do His job as He ministers to souls. Now that we've talked about the sower, let's talk for a minute about the trustworthiness of the seed. We must talk about what that is. What is, what is the trustworthiness of the seed? Luke 8, 11 says this. It says, the seed is the word of God, as we've mentioned. We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, that it is infallible, it is inerrant. It is the premise on which every Christian must stand. If we don't stand and believe every word of the Bible, if we don't stand and believe that it is the spoken word of God, that it is infallible, then we don't stand on a rock. We stand in the sand. And when we stand on a rock, we are sturdy. We can be steadfast on what we stand for. And we can know that our work, that us sowing the seed, that us doing what Jesus called us to do, it will produce fruit. It is not in vain. Jesus said about the church, He said that the gates of hell would never prevail. So our work does not go unheard. Our work does not go fruitless. No matter how patient we must be with sharing the gospel, with planting those seeds, we must know that there will come fruit. But it is not by our own power. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The writer of Hebrews said this in chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts, and desires. The Bible is power. There is power in the Word. It is a thirst that we continue to seek because we know that there is power there. There is no other book, there are no other teachings where people continue to gather for century after century and study one specific book. It's because it's alive. It's because there is truth. There is heavenly truth that is behind it.
You see, soul differs based upon how receptive the soil is. Every soil is a little different. And it depends on how receptive it is. The sower is always the same. It's interesting. The seed is always the same. But the soil is not always the same. And in this parable, when we read this in just a second, Jesus explains it to the people and then later he tells the disciples the meaning of the parable. We have to understand and we have to realize that the soil is the hearts of the people that we share with. The seed is the word and the soil is the heart of the individuals that we share it with. And it affects and it lands on each person differently. And Jesus uses that in this explanation. In Matthew 13, verse 4 through 9, he says, talking about the sower, as he scattered them across the field, talking about the seeds, some of the seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came up and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and soon they didn't have deep roots and they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had planted. And Jesus says this, Anyone with an ear to hear should listen and understand. You see, the first seed, the first seeds that fell on the footpath, or as some translations say, fell by the wayside. The footpath is, is an area that was, that was walked. The, the foot beat the ground, it beat the seed into this hard ground. And the soil represents those whose hearts are aligned that, that there was no depth, that the soil was, was no good. These are the people that, that hear, that hear with their ear, but don't hear with their heart. The bird that comes along and steals those seeds is, is the evil one. It is the devil. It is the one, he comes in with thoughts, worldly thoughts, and influences you in ways to strip those seeds away so that they cannot take any hold. You say, well, you might say, well, how, Ty, how does the devil do that? He does that with the influences that are around each and every one of us. He does that with the wants of the world. He does that with the news, any distraction that could be thrown out there. The second seed was sown in the shallow soil with underlying rock, or some translations put it, the stony place. Jesus talked about this ground where there was a, a thin layer of soil and then right beneath it, was this slab of rock, and this seed dropped in this thin layer of rock, and it sprouted up really fast with joy and with lots of enthusiasm. Have you ever known anybody that was like that? Have you ever known anybody that heard the gospel and really quickly with joy and enthusiasm, they sprang up really fast and they were on fire for Christ, but only later to find out that with the problems, with the distractions in their life, 
just fizzled out. And it just went away. It's because it didn't have a deep root to fall back on. On the surface, it sounded really good. And their heart was in somewhat of a place to accept it. But after that, there was no deep root to take hold. There was nothing to continue to draw them back. And so they fizzle out. The third seed. This seed fell among the thorns. In verse 22, it says, this is Jesus explaining, it says, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those that hear God's word, but are too quickly, are, but are too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lures of wealth so that no fruit can be produced. They're, they are distracted. They are, they, they are consumed with too many other things for, for the gospel to take a deep root to produce fruit in them as well. You know, there's, a, there's an old story uh, about a pastor, and this pastor had heard that uh, one of his church members had become blind, and, and he went to her and he said, Sister, it's, it's terrible to be blind, isn't it? And here's what she said. She said, Well, I don't know. What the eye does not see, the heart does not crave. That's, that's really, that's powerful. That's so powerful. People get hung up on the cares of the world. They get hung up on things that are not eternal. And it's easy. It's easy for all of us to get distracted with different things. But what we have to do is we have to put certain things in priority and know the things that are eternal and the things that are just fleeing, the things that are, are, are here for a second and then they are gone. So there are three types of seeds that we've gone over, but then there is a fourth. And we see in verse 23, we discover that there is a good ground, that this ground receives the seed and that it understands that its job is to bear fruit. So this morning... As you listen to this, I ask you this. I ask you, what kind of soil does your life represent? How well did you receive the word? How well did you hear the word? How well do you understand the word? Remember what Jesus said. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And the good soil receives the good seed. The good soil represents the one who hears the word and receives it and understands it and produces that 30, 60, 100 times as much that was planted. This is producing more than you are. This is the job of every Christian. Christians are made to produce more Christians. That is what we are called to do and we are called to do it with love. So as you reflect today on where you're at, I want to encourage you to take a look at your heart and see how can I be the good soil? How can the Word of God minister to me? Am I being distracted by other things 
in my life? How can I water my own seed so that I can produce more fruit? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that we have a deeper revelation. I want to pray for you today that you have the strength, that you have the the boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and to spread the gospel so that we can be Christians producing more Christians. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is that two-edged sword that cuts deeper than anything. Lord, we lay our heart open to you. We ask that the Holy Spirit would just minister to us, would show us, would reveal to us where we are at, what we need to do, how we can be deeper and more committed followers of Christ, Lord. And I just pray and ask that you would just implement that, that you would give each one of us just more of a measure to push forward, to seek you and in boldness to step out and to spread the word. I pray for everyone that is listening right now, Lord, as we have hearts opened. I pray that they would be receiving that, and I pray with boldness through the Holy Spirit they would step out and be able to do that. And while we're still praying, there are others. There may be others that say, I have never heard of this. I've heard about it maybe once or twice, and and I cast it to the side. But as I've been listening to this, I understand and I know now what the implications are. I feel that tug at my heart. You know, the Bible tells us that if we believe in Jesus, that we believe He is God, that He came to this earth, that He lived a sinless life, that He died and rose from the dead, If you believe that and you repent of your sins, the Bible says that we are saved. And if you have not done that, if you have not committed your life to Christ, and today you feel that conviction of your sins, I want to lead you in a prayer. And there are no special and specific words that need to be said for someone to be saved. It is is a matter of heart. It is a matter of change and a matter of taking on a new likeness. It is a matter of being born again is what the Bible tells us. But it can start as easy as a prayer, calling out to God, acknowledging. Acknowledging Him and repenting of your sins. If that is you today, and you know that you are without Jesus, and you know what that means. When we die, there are only two places. There is a place with Jesus and there is a place without Jesus. And I don't even want to know or understand or go to that place that is without Jesus. I don't want any more revelation than the Bible has given me. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Follow me in this prayer and repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He came to this earth. That He died and rose from the dead as payment for my sins. Please forgive me for my sins. I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for allowing me to spend eternity in heaven with you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. If that's you today and you prayed that prayer, please message us. Leave a comment below or private message us. We would love to celebrate with you. I want to tell you this. The Bible says, He that acknowledges me before man, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. That's what Jesus said. So here's your go-to. Go tell somebody you committed your life to Jesus. Get a Bible and explore and understand the things of Jesus. Understand the teachings of the Bible so that you can grow in your walk in faith. We look forward to seeing you again on our next teaching. God bless you.